Hello, I'm Major Adrian Allman. And I'm Captain Claire Allman. Welcome to the Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army podcast series. Birmingham Citadel is a Christian church located in Birmingham City Centre in the UK. This podcast is a recording of the Bible message that is shared during the Sunday worship service. You can now watch our service online through live stream at 10.30am every Sunday morning and can also find our stories and videos on our Facebook page and YouTube channel. It's good to have you share with us and as you listen we pray that God will speak to you. May you know God's abundant blessing today. Acts chapter 20 verses 13 through to 38. Today I want to be looking at that and seeing what we can learn from those words of scripture. The reading tells us of Paul's final meeting with the Ephesian elders. It's towards the end of his third missionary journey. If you notice in the reading, it tells us that he was desperate to get home to Jerusalem in time to celebrate Pentecost. And so he simply didn't have time to call into Ephesus on the way home. So what did he do? He asked the church elders at Ephesus to travel the 30 miles or so to meet him while his ship was in the port of Miletus. If they'd have been living in this day and age, they'd have just done a Zoom conference and had it done with, wouldn't they? But no, that wasn't possible. Because he couldn't get to Ephesus, he said, will you come and meet me here whilst I'm docked in port? The conversation that's recorded here in Acts chapter 20 is one of the few examples that we have in the Acts of the Apostles where Paul is actually talking to existing Christians. It would appear that some of Paul's critics had been at work in Ephesus. And what were they doing? They were trying to discredit him as a man of God and as a leader. Discrediting is something that happens all the time. If you want to discredit someone, you seek to challenge their behaviour. You try to present them as being false individuals. And so in Paul's view, the only way that he could deal with a critic of this nature was to be sure of the things in life that were important to him. And he had to live out those values so that everybody could see. Now, if that applies to Paul, that equally applies to ourselves. If we want to deal with people that want to discredit us, we have to be sure of the things that are important to us, the things that are valuable in life to us. And we have to live out those values so that everyone can see. In this meeting with the Ephesian elders, Paul's defending himself. But as he does, he gives some really sound teaching for all followers of Jesus in this important area of knowing and living out our values. You'll know that Claire and I have been speaking about this over the last couple of months. But Paul adds something to it here in Acts chapter 20. In his opening words, what does Paul say to them? You know how I lived the whole time I was with you. You know how I lived. His first point of addressing the discreditors is to appeal to their observation, to appeal to the fact that they could open their eyes. You know how I lived when I was with you. 
in verse 34. He uses the phrase again, you yourselves know. He's reminding them that what they saw of him was true. In openness, integrity was so important to Paul. You know, anytime there's a human relationship, there's an opportunity for integrity or lack of it. Whenever there's a human relationship, there's an opportunity for integrity or lack of it. I have no doubts that if you were to go to your cupboards in the kitchen today, some of you will have a product by a gentleman called Henry Hines. Not quite by him because he's been dead a long time, but the company that he formed anyway. Henry Hines was born in 1844. He was born to German immigrants in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania. And he helped support his family by selling uh, and growing and selling vegetables as a teenager. He did it in the family garden. That's where he started out. After graduating from college, getting married, he started a business selling horseradish. But in 1875, the national finance collapse in the USA meant that his company was driven into bankruptcy. Now, I don't know whether any of you are fully aware of the legal ramifications of bankruptcy, but a lot of people go into bankruptcy to provide them with legal freedoms, freedoms from debts that they owe. Heinz knew of these freedoms. Heinz, though he put his company into bankruptcy, he still regarded every single debt that his little fledgling company had accrued as a moral obligation. And even though his company wouldn't succeed any further, he paid every single debt that he owed out of his own personal pocket because it was a moral obligation that he felt he had. This same Henry Hines went on to form this great company with its 57 varieties that you probably have tins of baked beans belonging to. Henry Hines was a devout Christian. He was known for his generous treatment of his employees. He was known for his generosity to Christian causes. And throughout his life, he made sure that he conducted his businesses in pers- and his personal dealings with the same kind of integrity that led him as a young man to pay back all those moral obligation debts that he'd accrued. Technically, he didn't owe them. He'd filed for bankruptcy. But his integrity wouldn't allow those debts to go unpaid. You see, to have integrity means that we live out our life in private in the same way that we live out or talk about our life in public. We, as Christian people, are called to the highest ideals in life. I'm being honest, some of the times that I struggle being able to, to live it fully. Living lives of integrity, being constantly open so that our values are clear to all is not something that's always easy. Paul spent a lot of time with people. He'd spent a lot of time with the Ephesians. 
And here, at the very beginning of his address, he's at pains to say, Guys, I lived my life openly before you. I didn't hide you anything. I didn't try to be murky in any way. I was transparent. And they'd seen how he lived. He didn't put on a front when he was with them, but then lived differently when he was away from them. He had nothing to hide. What he was in private was the same as what he was when he was with them. He's reminding them in this passage, in this final meeting, this farewell meeting. I'm reminding you guys of my character here. I'm reminding you of the way I lived out my values. Because I hold them so dearly, that's what I've got to do. Let's just briefly look at these values that we see him remind them of. Verse 19, um, there in the passage, he says, I served the Lord with great humility and tears. That's the first thing he reminds them of. Guys, when I was with you, I served the Lord with great humility and tears. This is a common theme in Paul's writings. He often referred to himself as a servant of Jesus Christ. You open up a number of his letters to the churches. You'll find early in the letter that he describes himself as a servant of Christ Jesus. That's how he viewed himself. At all times, Paul sought to do the work of the Lord. In all things, he did his work in order to please God. His service was done in the same manner of Jesus. It was done out of love. He didn't work for the Lord in order to lord it over others. For Paul, there was no other agenda. There was only God's agenda. I think that's one of the most valuable aims we can ever have. Is to simply do the work of God and fulfill his will and purposes. That's a cracking value to have. I'm here to do the work of God and fulfill his purposes. I remember going back the 30 years since I went into training, I remember candidates' interviews in those days. I went in from the Central and West Yorks division. My divisional commander was a certain uh, little gentleman, a man of God, Lawrence Jardine. don't know whether any of you know Laurie Jardine, but Laurie was just a, a really godly man. The DYS at the time was a Captain John Mattia. Can you imagine going to candidates' interviews with Laurie Jardine and John Mattia? They were always gracious affairs. There was nothing difficult about them, but they were robust. There was no beating around the bush. Questions that were asked were quite forthright. And I remember Laurie Jardine looking me in the eye one evening and just saying, remember I was 19 at the time, Adrian, are you infatuated by officership? He didn't want a binary response. There was no yes and no. There was no, 
with a follow-up question to expand why I thought I wasn't. He expected me to define. He expected me to evidence my thoughts. You know, I think that's so important that when we're thinking of our values, we're able to define and evidence what we feel and what we think. So easy to say, I've got this value. I I value this. I, I value compassion. Well, what does that mean? What does it mean? Define it. And then evidence it. Paul was able to say, I am a servant of Christ Jesus. And then define it and then give evidence. Paul knew clearly this important quality. He wanted to have a servant heart. What else? It was more than just a servant heart. To do the work of Jesus was to have the same attitude as Jesus. To have the same character as Jesus. And so a value that sat firmly within the life of Paul was to have a godly character. We all know his letter to the Philippians. Paul encourages them to live a life that was consumed with thinking. And I'm guessing, even though the word isn't used, we we see the word thinking, but acting on whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable. Here, in a few sentences, we see godly characteristics coming through. Of his service, he said he did it with humility. And do you know what? A humble person knows that all that they are stems from God's grace within them. His confidence is not in self, but in the character of God flowing through. All we are and have stems from God within us. I think it's also significant that Paul, in describing his service in this passage, doesn't just speak of humility, he speaks of tears. What does that mean? I have served you with tears. He repeats it again in verse 31. He talks about tears again. Actually, there's a guy who's saying that to do the work of the Lord at times reduced him to tears. He wasn't just speaking of persecution and pain, I don't think. We don't have to bump our head on the wall to cry. We can cry when we're moved emotionally. We cry when we care. We cry when we have compassion. Paul had genuine love and concern. Verse 28, he speaks of another attribute. He speaks of keeping watch. He says, keep watch over yourselves. Keep watch over yourselves. He recalls his own need to be steadfast. He encourages them to be watchers because he knew he had to be a watcher. So, a godly character, a servant heart. But what else? What are the other values? I'm often inspired by working class heroes. 
the whole Daily Mail a few months ago decided that it had obviously had nothing to do. So it wanted to name the five most notable Hollensians. And, of course, the list was listed, and the likes of William Wilberforce were on there. Amy Johnson was on there. Not many more, because we've not produced that many famous people. But on the list was an, a lady called Lillian Bullocker. You have no idea who Lillian Bullocker is, have you? You've never even heard of Lillian Bullocker. I want to introduce Lillian Bullocker to you. Watch the screen. There are few jobs as dangerous as deep sea fishing in the Arctic, where gale force winds and mountainous seas have claimed the lives of thousands of men. In January 1968, trawlers from Hull's vast fishing fleet headed into these icy waters in their quest for the biggest catch. It was a journey that would descend into tragedy. The waves must have been 30, 40 foot high, some of them. You know, you've got hundreds of tons of water crashing onto the ship. And I actually thought, we was going to sink? We'll fight for our lives. Within three weeks, three ships had sunk and 58 men had lost their lives. For their families back home in Hull, the news was devastating. Your brain's thinking. What was the last words to said? Was he shouting for for me, for his mum, for his bairns? Would he have been fighting to get out of the water? All that plays with your head. But out of this tragedy came something extraordinary. Fueled by years of suffering and loss in which over 6,000 of their men had died at sea, the women of Hull rose up to protest against the dangerous working conditions. They were led by an indomitable character called Lillian Balocca. My mother just looked horrified and she thumped her hands and she said, Virginia, enough is enough. I'm going to do something about this. I've always been concerned, but I've never had the guts to do all about it. But now, I think it's time somebody did. What Lillian and the others wanted was a safer fishing industry, and they were prepared to do anything to get it. But this was a man's world, where women weren't welcome. Don't know about you, I wouldn't have argued with her. This was a lady who responded to the loss of 59 people in a month by saying enough's enough. In three days, she raised a petition of over 11,000 people from a community of 14,000. That's nearly, what, four-fifths of the community. She marched on London and took the petition to Harold Wilson, the Prime Minister. And within months, she got the, the trawler industry changed so that they would have mandatory radio operators on every vessel. So that if ever they got into trouble, they could at least call for help. This was all done through one strong-willed lady. Why share this with you? Because she said what needed to be said. And actually, one of the values of Paul was that he said what needed to be said. 
He says in verse 20, You know that I have not hesitated to preach anything that would be helpful to you, but have taught you publicly. Verse 27, I have not hesitated to proclaim to you the whole will of God. You know, not all things that are helpful to us are easy to teach or receive. And if Paul had been seeking to please men, he'd have dodged half the truths that he preached. If he'd have been wanted to be a popular speaker, he'd have chosen other subjects. But because he sought to please God, he plainly taught what God wanted him to teach. Paul was faithful and didn't dodge difficult things. Finally, in this little short meeting with the Ephesian elders, Paul tells them he's going to Jerusalem. He speaks openly, not knowing what's going to happen to him. When we think of Paul, we imagine a man of great courage and compromising in truth who will stand up to anyone. And yet, here he's recognizing almost his own fears. In Corinth, the Lord spoke to him in the night vision, saying, Do not be afraid, keep on speaking. I am with you. You know, courage isn't the absence of fear, it's doing what's right even when you're afraid. That's Paul. This was his farewell meeting in a port to the Ephesian elders. And yet, from this little meeting, we get so much about what was important to Paul. The servant heart. The godly character. Saying what needs to be said. Courage, boldness. These were his values. Wayne Jackson writes this, in the 13 letters known to have been written by Paul and penned over an era of maybe just under 20 years, there is no complaint of fatigue, no whimpering at the hardships, no disappointment expressed at having been crucified with Christ, or the wasted years, or lack of family, wealth, or fame. Just adulation. There was the simple joy in serving his Lord and for the blessed hope that is to come. Paul in a nutshell. Paul, the man with values. His values motivated his life. They were there for all to see. And we must know our values too. It must apply to our church. And so I'm going to give you some homework if that's all right. I'm going to give you something to go away from here and think about. I want you to think about values. We've been talking about it for a few weeks now consistently. What do your eyes see? That's how I started the meeting. What do your eyes see? I want you to go on an adventure of imagination. What do you most value about Birmingham Citadel? There's one question to go think about. What do you most value about Birmingham Citadel? Secondly, if you were a visitor to this core, what do you think the experience of visiting us would tell you about the things we value most? 
If you were visiting and you were just observing, what do you think what you would see would tell you about the things we value most? And most importantly, what values would you like to see lived out within the culture of our church? And what would this look like for you? What values would you like to see? And what would it look like? I don't normally give homework. But there's three important questions just to ponder this week. Perhaps in your daily prayers you'll just open your eyes and consider those. Because I think in considering those that might help us get to some of the things that are valuable to us. You see, when our values are right, then that shapes who we are and in our life and in our church we glorify God. As we come to the end of our meeting, we're just going to have a few quiet moments to close our eyes and yet open our eyes. John's just going to play for us an old chorus that just talks about our desire that in our life, God be glorified, that the values of the kingdom will be shown in our life and that in our church, the values that are so important that we should be building life on will be shaping all that we are. Paul's values were seen through one little meeting. What's valuable to you? What's valuable to you? Let's just close our eyes and spend a few quiet moments in reflection. Thanks, John. we attune ourselves, if we look and listen, we can find God present with us, all around us, speaking to us constantly. And yet if we don't bother to look, it'll appear that there's nothing to be seen. So Lord, this week, this day, open our eyes to see what you are doing. Lord, send us on an adventure of imagination that we may be able to establish for ourselves personally and as a fellowship what's valuable to us. What the values are we'd like to see lived out and how we can help and make that happen. 
We thank you for the saints of the past. We thank you for the apostles and the prophets. We thank you for the life of Paul. For he clearly lived out his life according to his values. And so in our lives, may we too be people who are very conscious of your presence. May we have that godly character. May we have that servant heart. May we be willing to say what needs to be said in your name. And may we be bold and courageous to go even though we fear the unknown. Anchor within our lives the values of God that you want us to have. Answer our prayers, Lord. Amen. And amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast this week. So you don't miss any further recordings, please subscribe to this podcast and also share and review it to help other people find and join our Birmingham Citadel online congregation. This has been a production for Birmingham Citadel Salvation Army in the United Kingdom. If you'd like to know more about us or want to worship with us, then visit our webpage at birminghamcitadel.co.uk.